This is Health Dose, a conversational podcast that focuses on issues surrounding your health. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. Recent flooding in the region has left many residents with problems that they may not even be aware of. We're talking about mold and mold allergies. Dr. Richard J. Horball specializes in allergies and immunology at his allergy and asthma clinics in Midland and Bay City. Health Dose asked Dr. Horball, what is a mold allergy? It's your body overreacting to nanoparticles. Molds are between animals and plants that are their own segment of, of life. And when they reproduce, they often send spores into the air. And these are tiny particles that you can react to, such as like grass pollen or, or cat dander or dust mites and things like that. So you can have like a runny nose, rashes, you can have asthma. Um, in the extreme, you can have stomach issues, but it's mostly you know, sinus problems and asthma that you can get. So you, you make extra secretions from your nose, your lungs can spasm, you can have asthma, you can have itchy eyes, you can have rashes, and those are the main, main problems with mold allergies. So in that regard, is a mold allergy similar or different from and to a allergy to plants or, for that matter, animal allergies? It's very similar. So there's just the, the source of the, the Exposure is different, but it's the outcome, the symptoms that uh, people experience are similar. What are the signs and symptoms of a mold allergy? What should I be looking for? Usually sinus problems, difficulty breathing like asthma. Allergies cause swelling. Okay, So if the nose is swollen shut, mucus gets trapped, maybe leading to secondary infection. So some people get like cold symptoms. They may actually get sick enough where they have sinusitis or bronchitis. But sinus problems and asthma are the big issue that we see. And after this recent flood, we'll probably be seeing a lot more. It's similar to what the flood was. I think it hit 85 or 86. That was really busy that following year. So I expect that things are going to, so to speak, hit the fan pretty quick. If I've experienced flooding in my home, should I be concerned about mold? How prevalent is it? You will have mold damage unless you remove the materials that were wet. So to grow mold, you need dampness and stagnant air and darkness. So say you want to grow mushrooms, if you want to be a farmer, you take an old barn, wrap it in plastic and throw some spores, maybe some manure and water it, you, you'll, you'll have a nice crop. But if you think about your home, if your basement floods, you know, it's dark down there, you probably don't have electricity, your furnace isn't moving air, and certainly you have the moisture. And then this is where medicine fails. It's, it's, it's hard to explain this, but the science of mold allergies is that you have to have dampness. People know what it is, but you can't define it. It's like pain. What is pain? You know what it is. I know what it is. I can't compare your pain to mine. But the, the scientific explanation of dampness is the humidity is high enough to support microscopic growth. It's sort of like it's it's like well, what is that? How much is that? Could be you know thirty percent humidity, twenty percent humidity. So even in Arizona, they have mold allergies. So you need some level of dampness. So if you've had water in your basement and you have you know brick cinder walls you could probably have a bleach party and, and do quite well if you have you know drywall you're probably going to take it out unless you can dry it quickly it's one of those issues and you can't escape molds molds are the, the biggest biomass in the world i mean there's more mold if you weigh it than, than any other form of life so it's present you're not going to get rid of it so the pathology of molds is that i was for this little talk, I looked this up. I knew this, but I just confirmed it. You have to have visible mold growth the size of an 8 by 11 sheet of paper. That's considered to be, more than that's considered to be pathologic. 
Make sense? So if you can see the mold, the second thing is if you can smell it. And the third thing, if you have dampness. So certainly the people that were flooded west of eastern and south of US 10, those folks are hopefully taking all their furniture out of their basement and their records and storing them and just, you know, try to get rid of the damaged goods. Do it yourself, I'm sure, but their commercial company would come in. They've got fans that'll blow and dry out the humidity. So that's the primary thing, and bleach helps. This is non scientific, but I was told that the best thing you could have done if you had water in your base would just pour raw bleach down there. It'll kill some of the mold. So you have time to, you know, as it as the water recedes, it, it'll be less biomass of molds than there was if you hadn't done that. But the trick is to get rid of the material that's wet. So you see all these homes with all their dabbing ports and drywall and things like that. That's the best thing you can do. If I think I have a mold allergy, at what point should I make an appointment with an allergist? If you have symptoms, if you have runny nose and Zyrtec and now they have Flonase so the car doesn't work, you probably should see somebody like that. Or if you have asthma, you probably want to define the cause. So we recommend, I mean, the, the standard of care is if you have asthma, you probably should find the etiology of it. There's certainly medicines out there, but it's like a bandit over a sliver you need to take to cause the problem. So it's nice to find what the cause is. There are filters available, medicines available, but if you know what the source of it is, you can have a better outcome. Usually, as was a chronic disease, you want to take care of it properly. Can I get an allergy shot for molds? You can. There's five species I can mention, though that's not that important, I suppose. But they're trying to standardize extracts. So, what we have is non standardized extract. There is moderate scientific evidence to show that allergy shots work for molds. There's other serums like you know, grass and dust mite cats that have high uh, scientific evidence to support that. So, the Support for mold is moderate, but I believe it works. We try to people avoid things, but they don't. If that doesn't work, then we put them on injection. That's not the primary goal of seeing an allergist. So we do do that. That's an arm armament type material, but there's other ways to, to treat it additionally. You need to avoid it, so we need to talk to talking about that. Some dietary issues, some molds are present in certain foods, so we sometimes eliminate those. It's a large practice area, so it's hard to define that in, in a small podcast, but Treatment is avoidance. You can recognize that. There's, there's techniques you can use that work very well. Did I hear you correctly that you can ingest molds yeah, orally some... as well as as well as uh, through your respiratory system? Right. When molds live, they secrete an enzyme. It's called a protease. Then it actually liquefies, so to speak, the, the substrate. So if it's you know, drywall or wallpaper, or your basement uh, couch, then it extracts the nutrients it needs to grow. So you, you can be alerted to those. So they, they're present in certain foods. So if you have, you know, there's some peanuts with aflatoxins and things like that, that commercial, actually cancerous actually, but commercial entities will remove those type of peanuts, but it, it goes further than that. So there's some foods that are considering molding. We just have people avoid those. But I'm not sure that's it's related to the recent flood we have. I don't believe that's those things are too, too connected. These two are not connected. So what are some signs within my home that I should be looking out for concerning mold? Odor is one. So if you, you know what a musty smell is? I mean, most people do. You know, you go to a barn or a county fair, an old pile of rake leaves if you're raking leaves. Cut grass sometimes if you leave the grass on the one. It smells musty. Sorry, you need to experience. Most people know what musty is. Seriously, the smell is enough to tell you that there's something there. So you need to find the source. The other thing is we talked about earlier is, is visible. So if you have a little bit of mold, like if you're before the flood, if you're in the wintertime in, in Michigan, if your windows you know, sweat in the in the winter, you might have a little bit of mold in the bottom where the caulk is. It's not an issue unless you see a large amount of it. Again, they describe more than, than a, a sheet of paper. If you can see a, let's say an eight by eleven paper, if you, that visible quantity 
that biomass is enough to start to cause pathology. The third thing is dampness, so the humidity is, is an issue. So again, there's no specific recommendation to, to lower the humidity to such a point. But most people know what you know what humidity is if you know if their uh, bathroom fan is disconnected. Believe me, that's real common. You know, use their their uh, there's a cooking stove, the humidity in your house goes way up. You need some degree of humidity, but usually molds thrive above 30% relative humidity and dust mites also. So we try to keep people's humidity in the 20s. But there's no specific, that's what I've learned from my predecessors, my mentors have taught me that. I think that's a goal you should shoot for. But Michigan, if we have a drought, the humidity might go in the high teen. In Arizona, you know, after rain, it might go in the high teen. So there's some overlap there. So, but even... Some mold spores, this is where it gets confusing, actually only sporulate when it's drying and uh, windy. So those are usually outdoor mold, but we're concerned today with our talk about indoor mold. So the key is just get get rid of the water as quick as you can and probably clean it with bleach if you can. You know, so physical elbow grease, so to speak, to, to clean the surfaces makes a big difference. So if you see it, probably behind the eight ball, you should have done it earlier. So the quicker you can get to the problem, the better off the outcome. And is bleach the answer when I'm cleaning my home? Is that the best way to rid myself of mold? What I've recommended over the years, I got this from a Dow scientist 40 years ago, and it still works. I usually recommend maybe a course. This is for a large surface area. I usually have people get a fertilizer spray bottle. You know, you put Roundup or whatever, and you go spray weeds. You can fill it up with like a quarter uh, cup of bleach and use uh, surfactant like soap and then uh, water, that combination. You can spray it in large surface areas and it'll help it. But if you have mold, you're gonna have to actually do more like do a scrub brush and get into the crevices like in the, you know, the concrete in your basement. This is a lot of work. You can hire somebody, you can do it yourself. And most people in the middle have probably already been, hopefully have done that. Those that haven't, they may suffer you know, a little later. You wanna, you wanna jump in there. What are the long-term effects of being exposed to mold? Nobody really knows. Long-standing allergies, you can, if you have asthma, it can, it can sort of morph into COPD. If you have chronic sinus problems, sometimes people get nasal pops, they require surgery and things like that. Those are extremes. We see, we see quite a bit of that. We do live in a valley and we have a high water table. So this is usually high area from, for allergens in the world. So, you know, you think the higher the latitudes from the equator, the less molds. But we do have Quite a bit of molder because our, our water table in the valley, so we have a lot of agriculture. With mold allergy, you get it, humidity is a big issue. Allergies that the doctors speak is called atopic. If you're not atopic, you're probably not going to have much trouble with molds. But again, the number of people with allergies varies. Self-reported allergies are probably close to 50%. You know, scientific is probably close to 30%. So there's a lot of people with allergies. They present with colds. So if you have like chronic cold symptoms might be more than cold. So, you know, most adults get one or two colds here. If it's more than that, you probably deal with some kind of allergic disease because the symptoms are very similar. You don't have a fever. Well, that distinguishes this from coronavirus. That's another issue right now we got to worry about. So if you have cold symptoms, you know, if you have a fever, you probably have an infection as opposed to allergies, which don't cause a fever. That's the key. But isn't that really the concern that an allergy can lead to an infection? The way I describe this to patients, you take a, like an oak tree or a, say you're a giant, you pull an oak tree or a maple tree out of the ground and flip it upside down. That's what your lungs look like. You got a big trunk for the trachea and the and smaller trunks and the little twigs out there are the alveoli or the air sacs. So if those things swell up, the, the mucus that normally bathes the periphery of the lung, it goes to the central part and it takes bacteria. It's like a, like a stream of fluid. So it's, it's probably part of the innate immune system where the, the bacteria have a hard time getting a hold if there's mucus flowing against them. But if the, the swelling of the bronchial tube is such that it occludes or closes the tube, you have sequestered fluid. It can cause the bronchitis pneumonia. That doesn't mean everybody with bronchitis pneumonia has allergies, but we 
you have recurrent problems. If you roll out an immune deficiency, which is another issue, but that's another talk. You, you probably have uh, underlying allergies. Same thing with sinus infections. So if your sinuses, same issue, they're, they're, they're hollow spots in your skull. We don't know the function of sinuses, at least I don't. Uh, the fluid drains from the nose, or the sinuses through the nose and your throat. So everybody always has drained. So if it's an excessive amount, you may have allergies. But if, if the swelling occurs to the point where the opening of the, the, the sinus is called the os, obstructs the occlusion, and that area is oxygen in it, which is absorbed by the tissues, creates a vacuum, sucks more fluid, it's sort of, you know, dog chasing his tail, it gets worse. And if you have stagnant fluid again, you inevitably will get an infection. So you get to be treated, and if it goes away, wonderful, but it's recurrent, and that's it's probably good under, under, a pretty good idea to underlying allergy. Yeah, I think a regular doctor can help with a lot of these issues. That's important, too. So not everybody with allergies needs to see an allergist, but if, it's, if it doesn't respond to the routine treatment, they didn't preface this, but when you look at, you know, practice, Travis, and you look at, say, a, a family doctor and intern sees other patients a week, probably 15 or 16% of those people are presenting with allergies. So it's quite common. So most, most doctors are, are quite familiar with this. And the ones that you know, does respond to, to routine treatments, antihistamines, some of the nasal sprays, and, and that's probably the patients to see for the diagnostic uh, treatment here. And what percentage of the people that you see for allergies are presenting with a mold allergy? I'm, this is this is off the top. Of my, I'm going to say a quarter, maybe a third. The most common allergy is, is are, are dust mites in animals. That's probably half. Probably a quarter is, is pollen allergies. It's trees in right in the middle of the grass seasons. When you see those little fluffy white things, those cottonwoods, that's the time when the grass is falling. So people come and say, yeah, I'm allergic to cottonwood. That's not quite the case, but at the same time, grass are falling. The weeds are in the fall, but Molds are probably a quarter to a third. You probably don't just have a mold allergy. You're probably allergic to other things at the same time. I mean, there are people, I've seen many lesions of people with just a mold allergy, but often you find them exist with other, other things. It's not by itself. It's not a standalone. That is allergy and immunology specialist Richard J. Horball, MD. As always, if you have health concerns, the best place to start is your primary care provider. If you need help finding a primary care provider, you can go to midmichigan.org doctors. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in again soon for another edition of Health Dose 